truly understanding that someone's path is their own path to navigate. Yeah. And that no matter how much training I've had or how much experience I've had in working with other people, your journey is individually yours. Hello and welcome to Mother the Mother. I am McLean McGowan. This podcast is an offering for all women to gather energetically, sister to sister, mother to mother, to co-create a sacred space for healing, educating, and sharing as we journey through motherhood and womanhood. It is such an incredibly powerful moment in time to be a woman, and I thank you for showing up on behalf of yourself and for all of the women in your lives, past, present, and future, to honor our matriarchal lines, all who came before, and all who will come after. Jema. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in today. It is a Monday right now as I'm recording this. And Monday has always been known as Moon Day. That's what it used to be called in years and decades and centuries past. And Monday for a mom, if you're a mother, you know weekends don't really mean what they used to mean. (laughs) I'm still waking up at 6.30 in the morning. So weekends are actually a lot more exhausting in some ways for me as a mom. And um, I try to actually keep our weekends pretty low profile, but it's still full on. And we have soccer games and then farmer's markets and then ends up, you know, play date here and there and activities. But I do intentionally try to keep it pretty chill. I don't over schedule us. And I really like to focus on family time because my husband's home from work. And during the week, we don't get a lot of time all together. So by Monday morning, I'm pretty effing exhausted. And uh, when I just had Jemima, it was awesome because I would really schedule my work day or my work week to have Mondays off. So that was a day where I could regroup. I could take her to school. I could come home and rest. I could have time to exercise, grocery shop, you know, get my legs waxed, all of those self-care things. And now with a toddler, it mixed things up again. So today I didn't get that moment in the morning, but I did take a nap with her, which was really great. And, you know, I could have done all the things on my to-do list, but instead I honored really where my energy flow was today. And I also got my moon, my period today as well. So it was like a double, double moon day. And um, I just wanted to speak to that because I think in our society, for most of us, we have not been raised with that care around our moon cycles. And we push through, uh, we act like it's not happening. We don't want it to happen. We take painkillers. You know, we we kind of gird our loins against it. I've talked a little bit about it before, but obviously I'm just in it today, so it's on my mind. But really, like, what is that about? You know, it's, it's working against nature and it's working against our natural selves. And I just really truly believe that when we push against what is nature, we suffer. Uh, It's, you know, instead of just taking an afternoon off or a full day off and really allowing our body to be exactly what it is today on our first day of our moon, uh, 
you know, if we can just honor that, then we can move through it so much faster. It's like the postpartum, the first 40 days. If you can honor it and really allow yourself to rest and give yourself that time, energy, and space to heal, you're going to move so much faster in the near future. And so, you know, obviously for full-time working moms, it's very challenging. And just full-time moms is challenging. But even if you can just grab those 30 minutes to lie on the ground with your legs up the wall or take a nap with your baby and just take that pressure off yourself, I really think it's a good idea if and when you can. And I know it's not available to everybody all the time, um, but it's just bring that intentionality to your journey as a woman and attuning to your moods and attuning to your energy levels throughout the day, learning where you have a lot more energy, where you're in more of a down energy and learning to work with those cycles instead of against them. Because in that way, we're really nurturing our nervous system instead of just completely depleting it over and over and over. This week's interview was with a new friend, Reagan, who we actually met, I guess it's a year ago now, in a Reiki training. And um, she... It's just a bright light and I kept running into her at events and I was like, I want to have her on the podcast. She's um, now pregnant and she's a birth doula, a pretty new birth doula and a Reiki practitioner and a breathwork facilitator teacher. So that's kind of her main thing. But we just had a great talk about her work, how she's showing up now as a pregnant mama for herself and how that is changing her work and her future work. And I just thought, you know, it's so nice to talk with women when they're in process, whatever that is, wherever they are on their journey. I love talking to women in real time. So I asked her to be on and she was on and we had a nice, really nice chat. So I hope you enjoy the listen. And what else is going on? So slowing down a bit for the holidays I'm going to be in LA this year, which I'm really looking forward to. I actually love being in LA for the holidays because it gets so calm and quiet because people leave town. And um, we usually do travel for the holidays, but this year we're staying and I'm looking forward to going and apple picking and just doing fun things. You can get across town. Like I can get to Pasadena in 40 minutes, 30 minutes, uh, which is unheard of usually. So if you guys have any great fun LA activities, you know, tacky Christmas cheer stuff. Totally down for it. So please DM me at Mother the Mother. I'd love to hear your suggestions. And, um, you know, I realize I don't talk about all the things that I do work-wise and I'm going to start talking more about it all. But one thing uh, I have been telling you guys over the past month or two is the motherhood coach coaching sessions, which I'm loving doing over Zoom. Also adding to that same kind of work is wherever you are in your journey coaching. So it doesn't have to be just when you're a mom and in motherhood. It can also be prenatally. So wherever you live in the United States, in the world, we can do Zoom calls or FaceTime calls or Skype calls. And I love working with pregnant mamas. It's a huge, huge joy and passion of mine to assist you on this massive spiritual journey of becoming a mom and all the kind of pre-work during pregnancy. And um, I have different coaching packages for all of that. And also throughout your postpartum time, if you don't live in LA or you're not hiring me as your postpartum doula, 
I can do it remotely. And then even if you have another doula with you or your sister or your mom helping you coach and even facilitating your doula working with you um, on a deeper way and a deeper level. So I just wanted to put that out there because I tell this to my inner circle, but I realize I'm not really telling it to the people out there on the internet um, and on social media. So I am going to get more intentional about that. But I really am here as a resource, as a guide, as a supporter of you, wherever you're falling on your journey as a woman, as a mother, and and helping hold you accountable to the things you want to be working on and the goals you're setting. However, I can be a light on your journey as a mom. So uh, to reach out, please do at McLean, M-C-L-E-A-N, at motherthemother.com. You can also DM me on Instagram at motherthemother. And as usual, please reach out. Let me know topics you would like to listen to. I'm always taking you guys' ideas and um, riffing on them. And I really want this to be, you know, a co-creation. So um, please let me know your thoughts and your needs and your wants. We're all doing this together. It never it never stops. We never get into the end of the line as a mom, as a parent, as we grow our families. It is, you know, one developmental level to another. And it takes a lot of work and energy and time and devotion and intention. And there also is nothing more important. So it deserves all of that. Um, And you also need to cut yourself a break and allow yourself to be where you are today on that journey. And, uh, you know, none of us are doing it perfectly and none of us are definitely doing it perfectly all the time. So just allow yourself to make mistakes, to stay open, to constantly question in a way of the student, not a master. And, you know, allow the lessons to come into you always and have humility. And, you know, it's so easy to judge how others are doing it, but we never know how other people are unless we're truly walking in their footsteps, right? So I think nothing is kind of more humbling or equalizing than becoming a mom. And you realize how much work and devotion it does take. And let's just give each other a break. You know, let's just support each other. Let's champion each other on. Let's listen to each other. Even if it's something we don't necessarily agree with or understand, let's learn to take a pause to shut our mouths for a second and listen. Heartfelt listening to what another woman needs to express, what she needs to vent, what she needs to let go of. And we can truly listen you know, it's a muscle that you work. And the more you do that, you're also lending yourself to your community to be that pillar. And then they're learning how to receive you in the same way. And so it becomes this beautiful circle of support, listening, sharing, and being in solution together, which is really what it's all about. You know, with all that is going on in the world, with all that's going on as I've talked about in the past in California with our medical freedom, you know, there's so many causes that need our attention and it's completely overwhelming. I mean, you know, my my body, my system has been totally blown out 
um, over a lot of it. And that is not of service in the long run to myself or my family or my kids. So it's learning the waves of that energy. And I do think anger is a fire that we need. That's how we change. That's how we motivate. If we're all peace and love all the time, changes wouldn't happen. And unfortunately, we're in a moment in time where we can't just rest on our laurels. We have to stand up for ourselves and each other. Even if something is not directly affecting us, we need to support each other, especially as women, especially as mothers. And it's no longer the time just to sit on the sidelines and watch and see how it all is going to play out and go down. Whatever your cause, whatever your passion, whatever keeps you up at night thinking, whatever is that little voice or that big voice in your gut and in your heart, please follow it. Please listen to what your body is telling you. Please let your conscious, your consciousness and your conscience guide you because we all need to be fighting for something right now. And then there's the time that is rest and knowing when you need to fight and knowing when you need to rest. But I really implore you to find your cause, to take care of yourself, but it is the time for action. It is the time for change. There's so much healing that needs to be going on and we're here. And the fact that we are here means that we're supposed to be here. We're supposed to be living and awake at this moment in time. So whenever you start to feel bummed out and sad, which believe me, I have those days. I have plenty of those days where I'm, I'm pissed and I'm angry that I have to be dealing with this stuff, that my kids have to be dealing with this stuff, that my marriage has to be dealing with this stuff, that our kids are now carrying this weight of having to fix the world that we've totally fucked up for them. Like it's a real thing. Teenagers are having major anxiety and depression, even younger kids, anxiety and depression, because, you know, we're melting the world around them. So, um, you know, learning how to talk to your kids with an open mind and an open heart, but also learning ways to help also strengthen their immune system. Body oiling is really great. Taking vitamin C, obviously, vitamin D, vitamin K, uh, elderberry syrup. You know, I'm no doctor. Just this is sister to sister advice, guys. But, you know, really bolstering their systems because they're going through a lot. It's a topsy-turvy time to be alive right now. You know, it's that fine line between keeping their innocence and allowing them to keep their innocence and fighting for their innocence and then also being truthful with what is actually happening around them in the world. And that's a very fine line and and everyone has a different roadmap within their own family to follow. But I'm just acknowledging that there's a lot going on and keep up. You're doing great. You're here. You're listening. You're being open to the journey. And um, I'm grateful to have you. And I want to help you. Thank you for all that you are in supporting me and creating this circle of women and mothers that are standing together. Jema. So, thank you for coming. And it's so good to see you. It's good to see you. And good you're to be here. pregnant. I am. What week are you now? I am 26 weeks. Wow. Getting there. Time is flying. Mm-hmm goes by really fast mm-hmm. it's like you find out you're pregnant and then you're like i can't wait 
And then you're like, wait. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And it, it, it then slows down quite a bit at the end, yeah. at least for me. That's what I've heard. Mm-hmm. I'm taking it one day at a time. Good. That has been my saving grace. Mm-hmm. Do you have practices around what that looks like? I do. Um, every morning I have greatly limited my access to all of the doula pages and things that like mm. gave me life mm-hmm. before I was pregnant now give me a little tightness in my chest. Mm. So I just kind of scroll. Mm-hmm. I try to stay off of social media as much as I can. There are certain people who I like to That's see really smart. what they're doing and talking about, but then mm-hmm. the others kind of sneak in. And I'm like, I got to I gotta mm. clear clear you out. You know, you can mute people. Did you know this? I, I, yeah. I mute. Yeah. It's really a really disciplined action of self-care to me, to yes. do, you know, to do what you need to do in terms of social media. Yes. To be clear, you know, and we were talking about that the other day on the phone of just allowing your pregnancy to be what it needs to be and not reading the books or not going to classes if you don't want to, because right. you can also get into this over-education and then not trusting your own intuition. Right. And, and you're looking, a trained birth doula, so you know the stuff. I know better. Yeah. Yeah, I do. <laughs> and- it's also been nice for me to l- seek out information that is pertinent to my specific mm-hmm. circumstance. Right. If I have a question about anything, it's like, let me just look and let me start with my trusted sites. Like there's mm-hmm. certain places where I go that will give me both sides of the information and then I can right. sift through it and my intuition will spark right up and say, this mm-hmm. is that whisper you heard, this is what, you know, we were trying to tell you. Yeah. And then getting all the care, all, all the, my partner calls them my witch doctors. Mm. It's like, are you go, <laughs> who are you going to see today? The witch doctor? Yes. The witch doctor, which includes an acupuncturist, mm-hmm. neuropathic doctor, a chiropractor, craniosacral therapist. Who are you going to? Dr. Mora. M- uh, Mora. Love, love her. Dr. Mora. Love, love her. You. And then... She was my first guest on this podcast. I, I listened. Yeah, I love her so much. I sent the... Um, sidebar. I sent the most sappiest of emails <laughs> to her because... I wanted to get in and I said, I'm a birth doula. I used, I pulled the birth doula card. Yeah, you got to pull the card. She's not seeing any people. I did. And I was like, I'm a birth doula. And then by the time I got, she's like, I will see you. And I was like, I will be there. And I walked in and I was like, and I'm pregnant. So it has been, (laughs) it has gone from being an exploration to being a. She's so amazing. She's an integral part of what has just helped keep me grounded Mm. in this process, which has been. Totally. Um, an invaluable staple. I mean, I, I, yeah. I encourage, it has changed the, being pregnant has changed the way I view pregnancy. So mm. kind of taking it back, mm. I've been obsessed with birth my whole entire life. I mean, I used to come home from school and everyone would be watching ABC after school specials. And I was like, a birth story comes on at 3.30. <laughs> <laughs> And I loved it. I mean, the story, the show was a little extra, but Mm -hmm. I always loved birth. And my eldest aunt, shout out Aunt Gladys, is my mother's oldest sister. And my mother is the youngest of nine. 
And my Aunt Gladys always loved a baby. Mm. I mean, to the point where she is 86 years old and she's like, I may have to come to LA and take care of that baby. And I was like, please come. (laughs) That'd be amazing. Yeah. She's very, I mean, she'll, she's very old school. She's Mm -hmm. like, put some olive oil on that baby. Don't put anything on the baby, but olive oil. That's like the thing now though. I mean, it's, that's the thing. It's all, it's going back to traditions. Yeah. Cause they're real and they work. Yes. And they're not full of chemicals, not full of chemicals. They're cheap. cheap. You have them in the fridge. The only hazard that I learned the hard way, because I've in, you know, working with families and also with my own family and people who've had babies in my family, is that olive oil makes a baby very slippery. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes they get the olive oil and then they just have to lay yeah. on the towel so, for a while. <laughs> middle path. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it has been an adventure, but I'm, it's exciting. So what was she saying that she might come out here? She, yeah, she, she, that's, that's what she says. I mean, yeah. my, when my, so the first birth I attended was my cousin who is like a sister to me, mm. had a baby who's now 13. Mm. She's no longer a baby. She's a big girl. And she, I just wanted to be, she and I are very close. We're like sisters. And so every step of the way, she was like, I'm meeting a doula. Will you come with me to meet mm. the doula? Sure. Her husband traveled a lot. And we both were in LA and every, like I was like her little sister growing up. So everything she did, I have been in her, like Mm -hmm. right on her heels. Like, Mm -hmm. okay, let's, I'll go see the doula. I'll go to your birth classes with you. That's awesome. And then when she went into labor, I was there from the beginning Mm -hmm. to the end. And it was the most transformative experience till now that Mm -hmm. I think I've had in my life where it just felt like, this is a miracle. Mm-hmm. And I'm so honored to be able to sit in this space and to see this and to see her go through 36 hours of labor and get to a point where she was like, I can't do this. And my grandmother who had nine kids wow. and she was very close to my cousin, Michelle. Michelle loved her probably. I mean, they have a very, they had a very special Mm-hmm. relationship and Michelle looking over at my grandmother's picture with this look in her eyes and she's just like I don't know why she did this so many times like mm. she, I thought she was perfect and I'm realizing that she was crazy and then mm. the minute my <laughs> the minute my niece was born it was like the light bulb she mm. was like she is a mm. goddess beyond mm. goddesses mm-hmm. because now she was part of this club of a long lineage of women who birth babies and Mm -hmm. she was able to go through this transformative experience and just watching that happen it brought my whole birth obsession to a new level Mm -hmm. where I was like this is beautiful I mean it's there's nothing I've never I've always known there's nothing like it but now that I'm in yeah you know on the path to it everything I'm like this is just Unbelievable. It changes everything. I mean, it's such a portal of transformation and nothing can prepare it for you. Even though you've been in the birth world, you've been steeped in birth and birth curiosity your whole life. And it's still, it's all theoretical until you're actually really feeling it in your own body. Yeah. The one thing that I said after I got pregnant or shortly thereafter, probably about around um, month three, about 14 weeks, I said, I'd know everything and nothing at the same time. Mm, Everything that I thought I knew, everything that 
you know, anyone who had a question about birth that would call and I was like, oh, you know, these are your options. These are the risks. These are the alternatives. These are, you know, working my brain. I was like, my brain knows nothing. Mm-hmm. But it's been, it's helped me in my doula. It's helped me in all my practices. Like it's helped me with working with breath work and understand, truly understanding that someone's path is their own path to navigate. Yeah. And that no matter how much training I've had or how much experience I've had in working with other people, your journey is individually yours. Totally. And the only person like in birth, the only person that can cross that path, that can cross that threshold is you. Yeah. You can you can Which turn can the, be really overwhelming and scary. Yeah. Because it's just like there's no choice. Right. Like you're you're going through the fire one way or another. Yes. Yes. And it's funny on the way over here, I was talking to my eldest son Gladys because I wanted to talk to her about my great grandmother. And she was saying, you know, everyone always asks, like, tell me your birth story, your mm-hmm. mother's birth story. And my aunt Gladys, who's a great storyteller, told me the story of my mom going into labor and that. My mother, when she had my brother, six years older than me, and my mother had my brother. And she says that the phone rang and she says, you didn't have phones in the hospital room. So Mm. you had to go find a phone. And my mother had gotten out of the hospital bed, found a phone in the hospital and called my aunt Gladys and just screamed into the phone. (laughs) You didn't tell me this was going to hurt. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And just continue. She's like, just screaming. She, oh she just God. screamed in the phone at three in the morning. <laughs> you didn't tell me this was going to hurt. And again, my mother was mm. the youngest of nine. Mm. My aunt Gladys was the eldest of those children and had four children of her mm. own. And, you know, she's she was the guru. She's the birth guru. Mm. My great grandmother, I found out, was a midwife. And so my aunt Gladys, Amazing. I told her, I said, if you were you know, working in birth. Now you would be a postpartum doula. And her response Mm -hmm. is, what is that? (laughs) And I explained, she goes, oh yeah, that would be me. Mm -hmm. She's the person you call. She's like the advice nurse before there were advice nurses. I mean, she's, she's the one that you call. She's the medicine woman of your family. Yeah. Where does she live? She lives in the Bay Area. Okay, cool. But your great grandmother, when she was a midwife, was in Beekman, Louisiana. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And Just helping out her community. Helping with the community. Well, it's funny because my mother, again, you go mm-hmm. through to the youngest, to the oldest. My mother was like, she wasn't a midwife. She just helped people mm-hmm. birth their babies. And I was like, <laughs> in the sticks, that's midwife. <laughs> that's a textbook definition. Mm-hmm. And my aunt Gladys added to the story and she was like, she helped my mother birth all of us until we left Louisiana. Mm which was of the nine children. Well, my grandmother had, I believe it was 12 births, nine surviving kids. And the first four were born at home, attended by my great-grandmother, Mama Hallie, Mm. in their home. And the only reason my grandmother went to the hospital ever is that Mama Hallie came and was doing a prenatal which we would call prenatal now, checking my grandmother. (laughs) And she says, there's two babies in there. What? And you probably should have them at the hospital. And that was the first time my grandmother had had four children. And that was the, well, she had had five children and baby six and seven, her her sixth birth was the first time she ever went to the hospital. Wow. 
And then after that, they moved to California. So all of the babies after were born in the hospital. Amazing. Uh, I want to interview your grandmom now. I know. My grandmother has passed on. She mm. is here in spirit. Yeah, she's in here. We'll call her in today. Yeah. She's, wow, that'd be so fascinating to hear about each one of her births. Yeah. And you know, it's I did, I had done a um, family tree oral history. Mm. And it was so great to talk to her because she would tell stories. And I'm like, tell me more. It's so interesting to talk Mm. to older people Mm -hmm. because their lives in their minds are just cemented as what was normal. Right. I mean, even my mother too, and she's, you know, she's not old by any means, but she, when I ask her to tell me stories, it's like, tell me more about that. And she's like, it's no big deal. It's just what it was. Like, that's just, you know, you get to a point where you've lived this long life and then the stories are more blended together in yeah. a package rather than, you know, these monumental events mm-hmm. that happened. And even like with birth, like my mother and her concept of birth is very different than mine. And as the granddaughter of a midwife, you know, I would expect her to have this just like mind blowing mm-hmm. experience. And she's just like, hospitals are great. And, mm-hmm. you know, they are, but she's just her, the, the, woo-woo has kind of like faded into the background yeah with her well it's two generations you know there's there's such a loss of history and just confidence really yeah and with my aunt gladys she's like oh no i would go back to Mm. beatman and spend the summers and and go whereas my mother was born in the bay area and so she just her and being the youngest she was like on the tail end my aunt gladys remembers every single one of her siblings being born yeah. So fascinating. Yeah. yeah. And then also being on the West Coast in a big city, so progressive. Yes. You know, so democratic. It's like she probably didn't want to go back to the sticks and no. like bumfuck Louisiana. Yeah. I mean, My, I'm from the South too, so everything's <laughs> bumfuck. So that's not an <laughs> offensive thing. But, you know, it's it's just a different time. Yeah. Right? And it's a different, yeah, it is. Both my mom and my dad were, are from Louisiana. Um, I love Louisiana. I love the South. I miss the South so much. I need to go. I oh, still have gone. Oh my God. Mm, yeah. I bet you will feel a connection. Yeah. I'm obsessed. Like I'm obsessed with, it's interesting when you hear stories about where you've, like your lineage and where mm-hmm. you've come from and how there's a sense of knowing, even though you've never been there. Yeah. Like hearing my family talk about Mama Hallie, it's like, of course, mm-hmm. I'm obsessed with birth. Totally. It's, it's, in, in, the bloodline. Yeah. it's in the bloodline. Yeah. Yeah. When I go back to the South, I get such a visceral connection to the land and the mm-hmm. trees. Like it is just the second I land, it's like, oh, I'm home. Yeah. Even if where I am at that moment is not where I'm from. Right. But it's just the same terrain, you know? Yeah. It's really interesting. Yeah. There's a familiarity mm-hmm. about it that connects with your spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're also a breathwork facilitator and a Reiki practitioner. I am. That's how I got started. I use the word woo-woo a lot because I just woo-woo like welcome. it. All the more <laughs> woo-woo, the better. Yep. Um, yes, I got started in this realm of work through breathwork. And my entree in breathwork was very intuitive, very serendipitous. Mm-hmm. So much of, of what I do and how I've gotten to be to this point has been a serendipitous adventure. And I was doing yoga and 
doing a 30-day yoga training at my studio. Mm, what studio? Uh, Hot 8. Hot okay, 8 Yoga yeah. in Beverly Hills. Mm-hmm. And I was, it was like day 29 and I had two more classes I needed to do. And I was like, I can't do one more <laughs> yoga. I just can't. And it's like, what do I need? A sticker on the chart? Like one mm-hmm. of those things where it was just like, what is the competition here? Like, what right. am I doing? And and one of the front desk girls was like, you can take this breathwork class. Oh, wow. And it'll count. And I was like, interesting. Sweet. And it's like, I took it and it changed my life. Wow. It changed my life. Wow. I mean, it, that breath work, I always tell people, I'm like, get healed, find your way to healing mm-hmm. in whatever, whatever like modality, modality. Yeah. works for you. Mm-hmm. And for some people, it's, you know, it could be a number of different things. But for me, breath work was so accessible to me that I was like, this is, is what's going to allow me to, to move the needle. Mm. And then I started doing it and it became my Sunday night time by myself, like where I would block it out. Anybody wanted to see me Sunday night, 6.30, I was unavailable. At a studio? I was at a, no, I was oh, in I, class. Yeah. Oh, in class. I gotcha. In class, um, taking this class and it got to a point where my friends like had an intervention because they realized I have a number of group of friends and they got together and they realized they always thought that I was with the other group of friends. And they finally were like, what are you doing on Sunday nights at 630 where we can never (laughs) make dinner, nothing. And I was like, I'm taking a breath class. And by that time, my teacher had said, I think you need to do training. Mm. And so I took my first training. um, It's called Healer Training with David Elliott. Mm-hmm. And that was transformative. So, in is the that last, a weekend or a, a month or like what does that look like? It's a weekend. Mm-hmm. So the first class was a weekend, and there's a series of four. And I took my first class, and it was just like, okay, this this is a path. Was it? Did I know it was the path? I knew it was a path. Right. It, it was, was leading I, you somewhere. It was leading me somewhere. It was mm-hmm. exactly where I needed to be. So I went through teacher training. And then I started working with small groups, working with friends, doing privates, substituting the class that I started mm. taking. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it was it was great. And then a few years into that, I was like, I need to be doing something else. Mm. And I sat with it. And by then I had kind of gotten into knowing what my intuition is, but checking the ego is always totally. work. <laughs> was this your main like work? No, okay. I work in I was working in corporate America. Okay. I just wanted so, to check in on that. Yes, yeah. it was it was what I call my side hustle. Totes. And as a Gemini, you know, one mm-hmm. fed, fed my right brain and one fed my left. And I felt like a total complete person mm-hmm. doing both. But I felt like I needed something else. And I was like, mm-hmm. there's something else I'm supposed to be doing. And I sat with it and I was subbing a class and someone after class asked me if I was a Reiki practitioner. And I said, no, and he's like, well, it felt like you have, you know, the energy just felt mm-hmm. very Reiki, Reiki. And it was like, that's how things come to me. It's like mm-hmm. Reiki, 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 Reiki. And mm-hmm. I was like, I get it. Universe, mm-hmm. like, I got the message. I'll look into Reiki training. And it just so happened that David Elliott's wife, Lara, who I had taken trainings with, with breath work, she'd um, participated in some of the trainings, is a Reiki master. Mm-hmm. And so I signed up for her Reiki one. And I'm sitting in Reiki one and I'm like, I don't know about this. Like I don't, you know, it was day one and we're doing introductions and I was like, well, I feel like I'm supposed to be here, but I don't know that this is the, I'm not Mm -hmm. feeling this, you know, explosion of 
you have arrived. And as we're doing introductions, we're going around the room and you were there. Mm -hmm. And everyone, every other woman in the room was, hi, I'm a Clayne. I'm a doula. (laughs) And literally there were four or five other doulas in the yeah. room. And that it was, was the bizarre. light bulb. It was like laughable. It was yeah. like, I'm another postpartum doula. I'm a postpartum doula. I'm a doula. Yeah. I'm a doula. I'm yeah. a doula. And I think that when I introduced myself, I said, I'm Reagan. I'm not a doula, but maybe <laughs> I should be. Yeah. And there. And that was it. Wow. And after that, I signed up for birth doula training at Beanie Birth with Anna Paula. Mm-hmm. She's great. She's amazing. Mm-hmm. And that was a transformative experience. So literally yeah. my path here has always been, has been one mind-blowing, universe-shaking experience mm-hmm. after another that my intuition is like, gimme, 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 gimme. Which I think this is such a beautiful way to be because I'm very similar. Like I am not, I'm not one of those people that is like, in five years, I'm going to be doing this. This is my goal. It's like, I just have always been led by my passion and my intuition. Yes. And that's not for everybody, but it has definitely made what I'm doing completely authentic. Cause it's like, I can't not be doing what I've been called to do. Right. You know, there's just no kind of way around that. Right. So, and I also love that because it just leads you to whatever. And Reiki is such an amazing thing. Even if you never use it, it will still come into your life because I love how Laura explains it is, Reiki is life. Yes. It is life. So giving that energy to your family, your baby, you know, like every night when I'm rocking Goldie, I do Reiki on her. Yes. And it's like, it can be two minutes. It doesn't have to be a whole thing. Yeah. I use it all the time. I love it. You know, sometimes there's just like a little hint of, you know, just focus your energy and lay your hands Mm -hmm. here. And the response that I get from doing that, whether I'm in class, whether I'm with family, whether I'm with my partner, is so real yeah. that it's validation. It mm-hmm. validates, you know, the the force and the strength and the power of a practice that is not necessarily the most easily explainable thing to people who need charts and, and yeah. graphs and it's facts and almost impossible. Yeah. <laughs> Because it's just, it's such an energetic thing. But I know I love getting that feedback because you're, I mean, it's still sometimes I'm like, I don't know if this person's going to really connect with it or feel it. And, the, you know, the the person you're working on too is such a big part of allowing the healing to come in. Right. So people are really skeptical. It may not reach it how that person as it would with someone that's really open to it, you know, right. which people have big feelings about that also. But just, I love getting that feedback, you know, like I do it on my clients all the time, yes. whether we're doing a quote unquote Reiki session or not. I do it on the babies. And again, it's like, is this baby gonna, this crying baby gonna receive it? And then more often than not, the mom's texting me like, baby just passed out for four hours, yeah. you know? Yeah. They're so receptive and it's so cool. And sometimes you just need a little, I always tell people that I'm I see myself as someone who's just here to hold space. Mm -hmm. If I can bring something in the space that allows you to attach yourself to it and facilitate your own calm, your own healing, your own, you know, if it makes, if it magnifies the sound of your intuition just a little bit more or has you vibrate at a frequency that you can just attach yourself to a little bit more. I've done my job. Yeah. I can't heal. You know, I don't see myself as a healer in the sense that I can heal right. other people. 
I think that we are all capable of healing ourselves. And what I feel that I bring to the space is an opportunity for you mm-hmm. to access that. Yeah. Totally. I agree. So then what happened after your beanie birth training? So after my beanie birth training, I got really obsessed with birth again. I really wanted to build out a platform, but then it, it, you know, I spent a lot of time wondering, okay, now I have all these things. I have all these tools. How do I integrate them in a way that makes sense? And again, sitting with that and deciding what that looks like for me. And that's when I think I had another, as Oprah would say, aha moment, Mm -hmm. because I realized I am here to serve women and to help women get in touch with who they really are. And not Mm -hmm. from like a, you know, I'm a mom. I'm, you know, not from a a very, not from a present perspective, but from past Mm. perspective. Like who, who are you? What is the energy you bring forth in this female body that is transformative to the world? Mm. And with, Combining all of those things, be it breath work, Reiki, um, doula training, I'm able to work with moms in a way that allow them to not only to, to, through this transformative experience, tap in to power that is greater than anything they ever mm-hmm. knew. That, that may be greater than anything they ever knew existed, period, let alone existed within themselves. Mm-hmm. And so I started my doula company, Om My Doula, Mm -hmm. because I wanted moms to kind of get in touch with who they were from more than a perspective of what they would put on a resume Mm. or what they would say, you know, in a, in a 30 second introduction or what they say when they introduce themselves to moms in their mom group. It's like who, what comes through your bloodline? What, what Mm. is, what energy, what power is flowing through you? What do you need to heal? not only for yourself, but what can you heal for generations before that will then transfer to this baby where this baby gets to now come forth in the world without having to do any work for anybody mm-hmm. who came before it. Mm-hmm. Like they can start from, yeah. from where they stand. And for me, that's been a lot of my own work is, mm-hmm. is what can I heal in my lineage so that the baby that's coming forth through me doesn't have to bear that the, you know, the brunt of that burden. Are those specific things you're working on or is it more of a kind of a generalized? It's been really general. I'm mm-hmm. of, I, I, in teaching breath work, a lot of times I'll have people who have a really emotional experience and there's some who are like, I need to know why and what mm-hmm. this was. And there are other people who are like, I don't care what that load was Mm -hmm. or why. I just am glad that I don't longer have to carry it. And I'm one of those people. I'm like, whatever needs to be healed, Mm -hmm. I want to recognize it. I want to heal it. I want to move on. I don't Mm want to spend hours upon end talking about, Mm -hmm. you know, when I was three, which for some people it works, but for me, it's like, yeah, I, I liken it to, I use this analogy in class often. I said, you know, when, you go into the kitchen and you pick up a hot pot. You don't analyze the pot. Mm-hmm. You don't say, oh, this pot is hot. How mm-hmm. long has this pot been on the stove? Why did I pick it up this way? Why mm-hmm. didn't you pick up the pot? It's hot. You drop the pot. And that's how I feel about so much 
of our baggage that comes up and so much of our stuff that mm-hmm. comes up. So there's some things that, yes, you do need to do a deep dive into. And there are other things that you just need to let go of. Yeah. And to be able to have the choice totally. of whether I feel like my healing of, in this is, is involves an understanding of the where, when, what, why, and how. And other things just involve me knowing that I am not the person or I am not the energy that has come forth through this person that requires that I carry this burden anymore right. and I can let it go. Yeah, that's so beautiful. Yeah, I was, someone posted on Instagram last night because I was, I've gotten really picky about who I let into my stratosphere as well. But it was so, it was kind of to that point of finding that balance and, oh, it was Kelly. That's who it was. Kelly Morris, just about, you know, we get stuck in these things of rehashing everything, like always calling our girlfriend or our long-term therapist or just getting in these cycles. And But with women, it can be very different than it is with men. Like sometimes men actually need that talking more because their kind of go-to is just, oh, we'll just go run, you know, I'll just like yes. get it out or I'll like drink some beers. I'll go play a soccer game. But with women, we are so emotionally charged and we feel things so viscerally that we're actually re-traumatizing ourselves every time we retell the story. Yeah. And, but it's a very, it's a very fine to balance because I also have healed a lot from figuring out those things with myself by talking. Mm-hmm. But then also I've lately been really paying so much more um, keen attention to my words, what I'm choosing to rehash even if someone asks me a question, it can be my choice to not go down that rabbit hole if I know that that energy is going to be stirred up within myself, even yes. if they're actually wanting to me to share and be that like supportive girlfriend, but just also really knowing that's not going to actually help me. Right. So I can make that choice for my own self, that boundary. But it's, right. it's very tricky and it's very nuanced. Yeah. And we get in the habit. I mean, yeah. we are, you know, from... from an, Ancient wisdom is a story. I mean, stories were told. That's how history mm-hmm. kind of passed. But I think in a modern day understanding of it, it's it's the rush to to create and control the narrative. Mm. And I find that I struggle with that too. It's like, am I telling this story because I need my story to be right? Mm. Or I'm telling this story because there's some healing for me to find in it? Or am I telling this story because my version of the truth is what I want to, to have perpetuated? <laughs> right. right. And it's almost like a script. Mm-hmm. It's like if I continuously repeat this story, I had a teacher um, who used to say, if you want to be the type of person that is a reciprocal for other people's stories, you give people seven minutes. So mm-hmm. when my girlfriends call and they have you know this thing that they need to talk about, I'm like, you got seven minutes because after seven minutes, what he said is he's like, people start repeating themselves and then they start re-orchestrating the way that things went down Mm. in their head because they now, after seven minutes, now what you're doing is you're just creating a script Mm. around your version of the events. Mm -hmm. But the first seven minutes is event. It's, It's seven minutes of this is what happened. This is how I felt. And then after seven minutes, it becomes this is what happened. And this is what it meant. And Mm -hmm. this, you know, where, again, it's one of those things. It's like, is this, am I holding the hot pot? Or is this something that I just need to let go and let out? And if it's let go and let out, let it go. Let it out. Like, let's do it. But 
you know, being very mindful of, of even the stories I tell, the stories I tell, the stories we tell ourselves and the stories we allow other people to tell us leave an imprint. Mm -hmm. And I think that through, through working with mindfulness, having an understanding of energy, having an understanding of birth stories and how, how I, you know, I've always told clients, like, you don't need to listen to everybody's birth story. Yeah. Because every birth is different. Every pregnancy mm-hmm. is different. And even like hearing from mothers like you who are like from one child to the next through the same vessel, you could have two totally different experiences. Mm-hmm. And if that is the case, what is the value in trying to normalize it to there mm-hmm. being one right way? Yeah. Or... There's so many different things that play a part in in the coming forth of anything that's new. It's like, you can just let the story stand on its own. Mm-hmm. You can let this experience stand on its own. You can breathe. One of the things that I love most about breath work is that I love creating a connection for people between their breath and their lives. You don't go through your life saying, the breath that I took, on Monday morning at 8.30 was so shallow and I'm so embarrassed Mm -hmm. by it. (laughs) And, you know, really jacked up my whole entire day. You don't talk about that on Friday Mm -mm. afternoon. Mm -mm. So in getting people to understand that things that come up and things will happen, you know, in life, can you let them go like you let go of Mm -hmm. breath? Mm -hmm. Can you move from one experience to the next saying that that experience got me to the next moment, but I don't have to attach myself to it. It's not definitive of who I am. It's just, it's one inhale. It's one exhale. And you're really being in the present moment, each, you know, each breath to the next, which, you know, sounds so cliche, but it actually is true. Yeah. I actually just did a breath work with Dr. Mora. She's a little group for birth workers. And, you know, I don't, personally love doing breath work. Mm-hmm. It's very comfortable for me. It feels very tight in my diaphragm. I mean, I'm sure that all means I need it. Um, but when I'm there, I'm like, ugh, I could be literally doing like 10 other things right now. Yeah. At the end of it, I love it. Yes. You know, I love it. And I'm, I was actually able to like primal scream, which is not my go-to. Had a huge crying release. And then it was the best Shavasana. So it definitely moves a massive amount of energy and a release for the nervous system, which I think is incredible. But I do really respect that part of it of just getting through each breath in the present moment, which that is really contractions and that is birth. And that's also motherhood, you know, of just like, I'm getting through this hour. I'm getting through this five minutes then we'll be in the next thing, you know? And it's just such a metaphor for our whole lives as mothers. Yeah. Because there's always something new to be learning and growing from. Yeah. And then you go from that to, okay, now that I have this power, I want to manifest some shit. Like yeah, I want to, let's bring it on <laughs> in. And kids I mean, are great right for, now. oh, it's great. Oh, yeah. It's like, once you get in the wave, like once you've, I tell people, I'm like, once you've cleaned out your junk drawer the power mm-hmm. that you then have, oh, it's yeah. almost like paying off a credit card. And you're like, oh, yeah. once you do it, you're like, but now I have all this cash. Like totally. all this cash that is not going to paying mm-hmm. off a debt is now pure capital for me. Totally. And it's like, what are you going to do with the capital once you've cleared out your junk drawer, once you've paid off your debt? What do you do with that capital? And what mm-hmm. are you going to manifest for yourself, for others, for the world? Mm-hmm. And being able to access that power is 
a whole nother level. It's priceless. It is. And that's what I love so much. And you, you touch on this too, of working with women that have gone through birth and become mothers because it is a fierceness. Like there's nothing I love more than seeing a woman through her pregnancy, working with her, you know, she's doing the work, but then you see like the mama bear on the other side where she's like, I just went through the fucking portal yes. and I'm fierce as a goddess. Yes. So like world watch out. Yes. And you know, it's, there's kind of nothing more beautiful to me. Yeah. And it is a rebirth. Yeah. And watching my cousin go through labor, <clears throat> excuse me, um, her doula who was, I mean, I compare her to a fairy. I was like, mm. I don't know if Arlen's feet touch the ground. Wow. I mean, she is like, she was ama- an amazing, amazing energy to have, mm. but very airy and mm. very ethereal and very sweet and very loving. And I, during the prenatal appointment, she'd said, you know, you're going to go, and she's a very sweet voice. You're going to go through this thing and then you're going to hit a wall. And I remember my cousin going through labor and she was like, I think I'm at the wall. And Arlen's like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> and she'd say, oh yeah, I think, I think I'm at the wall. And she's like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> and a moment came where she's like, I'm at the wall. And she pushed through this. I mean, we could all, there was no brick wall in the room, but we could all feel it mm. in a moment where watching Michelle just cross mm. this fierceness from from maiden to mother. I mean, she mm. literally went from being one person to the next. And yes, a baby comes out and this person who you've kind of wondered what they look like is sitting in front of you, but the equally as magical was looking at this woman who mm. had brought her forth in a mm. way where she doubted herself, where she not only doubted herself, she doubted the women who she, you know, loved more than anything in the world. And like, why would you do something so dumb? Right. You know, why would you, why would you do something so stupid? And getting to the other side and becoming now to this day, just a bad ass, fierce, Mm. do anything for her baby cubs woman. Yeah, And then, of course, it's always great when women do it over and over again. Because I had a moment in my pregnancy where I was like, this is the stupidest thing I've ever done. Like, I, <laughs> everyone's like, well, what's your like most illuminating moment thus far? And I was like, redefining nausea was that for me. Ugh. I mean, it was, and again, it's something that shows up different. Like, I have a friend, she's like, I didn't have any of it. And I was like, are you lying? Like, are you mm. serious? And for me, how I explain it to people, and, and I realize this is my experience, but I was like, I understand nausea to be, you feel sick, you may throw up, it's kind of queasy. I said, this felt like the first two hours of a hangover, like that moment where you wake up and you're like, I drank too much. And now what am I going to do? Am I going to have a beer? Am I going to have a Bloody Mary? Am I going to throw up? Am I going to go back Ugh. to sleep? Am I going to keep drinking? Like, what's the plan? And I was like, and when you're pregnant, it's like you wake up and you... It's like that all day. It's like the first two all hours of a hanger all a day. And I just remember so <laughs> looking at my partner and going, this was this, I don't know if this was the right decision for me. <laughs> he's, yep. he's just looking at me with sympathetic eyes. And I was like, and I know this is exactly what I wanted. Mm. And he's like, that's what you said. Mm-hmm. And it was like that for a month. You know, for a month, I was like, I just, 
I don't know. I don't know. And then you push through and now I'm like, yeah. But it makes you question everything. Everything. You know, and yeah. And it can look so many different ways for every woman and every pregnancy. And yeah. Whether you keep the pregnancy, whether you lose the pregnancy. I mean, it's just all of it. It brings up just kind of everything to think about. Yeah. And go through. One of my best friend's moms, she has a saying, and she's a great listener. And anytime you come to her, anytime she hears you say something, her answer, I think, to every problem is, (laughs) well, just keep living. I mean, Mm, that's her go-to response. Well, Mm -hmm. just keep living. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the situation is. She's just like, you know, Mm -hmm. you have big opinions about it. Yeah. But you never know. Just keep living. So true. Yeah. It's like, you know, carry wood or carry water, chop wood. You know, you just keep one foot in front of the other. Yeah. And that's like so, in in thinking about like the work that I do is that's how so many women before me Mm -hmm. have gotten through life. Totally. Like this pregnancy, I mean, growing a tiny human I'm like, this is like hard work. But then I think about my mother who did it. Or I think about mothers who are friends of mine. I'm like, I look at moms who have two kids and I was like, how did you do this twice? Like, how did you yeah. do this, have this feeling with another little human who needs you to actually like show up for them? Yeah, it's crazy. And it's it's a, it's crazy, but it's yeah. amazing. It's like, yeah. just keep, you just put one foot in front of the other. Or my mother who was like, I had to work in an office every day, all day. And all of my friends have such different, our lives just look mm-hmm. so different. Or my grandmother who had nine children. Can't even imagine that. It's like, how? In Louisiana. In Louisiana. food, I imagine. Yes. Sewing clothes, yes. possibly. Like just yes. all of it. Yes. And cooking and cleaning and and just doing the things. I mean, I try to clean the bathtub and I'm like, I don't think the baby likes me cleaning the bathtub. Right. And it's like well, the bathtub right. has to get cleaned, right. you know? And it's it's that, that means of survival mm-hmm. where you realize that the things that you're doing in your in the present moment, you're in the moment. You're right. you're just putting one foot in front of the other. Which I think in modern society. We have so much coming into our brains and our eyeballs at all times. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, you have five minutes idle and you're like, where's my phone? Right. It's like, oh, I, you know, what happened to just sitting here staring at the wall, like daydreaming and letting downloads come to you, you know? Right. Or having a quick nap. And I do think there is so much real strength and beauty in that simplicity of life, you know? And I mean, we're so lucky we have so many options now, you know? But with all those options, like the dark, shadow side is we're inundated with all these fucking options all day long about every single decision we're making. Yeah. And it really takes us out of the present moment. And of yes. course it does. Yeah. It's like, you know, diapering your kid. Wait, well, is that like a little bump? Maybe I'm using the wrong diapers. Maybe I'm using the wrong wipes. Like, let me go research that. You know, it's like, it's endless. Yeah. And baby re- like reviews on things that have to do with babies are, are I'm a consumer reporter type person. Like mm-hmm. I like to find mm-hmm. out like, what is the best humidifier that mm-hmm. I need to buy? And now that everyone's a critic, uh-huh. everyone, you know, everyone has an opinion. Everyone. About everything. It's like, you can, you can find 
any piece of information justifying any point of view, mm-hmm. if that's what you're looking for. Right. And again, being in a, an environment where we've muted our intuition yeah. to the point where we don't even recognize the voice. And yeah. I always tell clients, I'm like, your intuition is not a screaming mm-hmm. voice. It's very subtle. And if you don't make time yeah. to listen to it, you're going to, you may miss it. Yeah. And by the time it starts shouting, Katie bar the door, you're going to be very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're going to be in a space where you're like, why is this so hard? Right. And your little intuitive, intuitive voice is like, I tried. Yeah. I've been I telling tried you for months, the woman. easy way, but <laughs> you know, and now I'm at a point in life, which again has come from all the things that I've done. Like when mm-hmm. I get a feeling, I'm like, let me sit with this because I don't yeah. want it to turn into a big deal. Oh, and that's so powerful. That's something I've really been doing a little bit more because I found out my human design and I'm a generator, but I'm supposed to really mm. respond, not just go after. I mean, I'm supposed to have action and put positive things out there, but it's really about kind of attracting the ask from other things or people. Mm-hmm. And then I take a beat to respond after checking with my intuition. And, you know, I'm a kind of like a recovering people pleaser. So I, I, I automatically I was going to be like, yes, I can do that. Yes, I can help you, blah, 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 blah. And I'm really now you know, empowered by saying, that sounds great. Let me take a night to think about it, you know, or I'm going to get, I'm waiting on my schedule. I'll get back to you in four days or whatever it is. And just creating that space to really hear my answer. Yeah. Shonda Rhimes wrote this book called The Year of Yes, Mm. which is, it's a good read. Okay. I should read that. Uh, You should read The Year of Yes, because she was a person who said no to everything. Mm. And I was like, Okay, the year of yes. And I've done a year of yes. I mean, it's it's challenging. That sounds exhausting. It is. I mean, where you but it it depends on where you are in the space. Like I would never do a year of yes. I've done a year of yes and I've done a year of no. Mm. And then the next year, guess what? It ended up being a year of maybe mm. to where I would take that time and say, I don't know. But you mm-hmm. get in these habits of where anytime an opportunity comes where you're cutting off the blessings, where you're like, no. Right. That's not what I'm doing. And the idea that you offered me something that isn't what I'm doing makes me uncomfortable. No. Mm -hmm. And so just getting into a space where you say, if if you're feeling like it's a yes, you can go with a yes. If it's feeling like a no, feel comfortable in saying no. If you don't know, which is hard in a society where you're expected to know one or the other and be on one side of of the fence all the Mm -hmm. time, being comfortable to say, let me think about it. Yeah. Being pregnant has been great for that for me Ugh. because I tell everybody like, I know, and you kind of get a free pass. So it's a great time to start yes. working that muscle. Yeah. 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 And then knowing that in a few months, I'm going to have a tiny human that I have to say mm-hmm. yes and no for and maybe and make these decisions and yeah. and not surrender that power mm-hmm. to someone who just has the loudest voice in the room. And Totally. But yeah, the year of yes was great because mm. she was a no person. I mean, she... She had, she has kids and she just, she has, clearly we all know she has a job, a hundred jobs. And she just, you know, any opportunities that come that weren't work related or associated with her kids, she just would shut them off. And a friend of hers was like, you need to start saying yes more. Mm. And then, you know, most people I know who have done a year of yes end up finding the middle, but it's almost like you have to shake yourself out of, out of the habit. Well, I go to Al-Anon, which I speak publicly about, but, you know, in addiction, there's, in kind of working with your healing, there's this notion of contrary action. So mm-hmm. it's it's that. It's like, mm-hmm. what's my go-to, my familiar? Okay, I'm going to do the exact opposite of that because that hasn't been serving me. Yeah. 
And so sometimes you just have to literally be that cognitive and that strict to change really deep rutted patterns, right? Yeah. And when I'm working with people in breath work specifically, you know, people get uncomfortable. They get mm-hmm. uncomfortable with the breath. They don't like what's coming up. They are, they're accustomed of being in control of the mm-hmm. emotions. And when you get into a cycle of, of rhythmic breath, where you forget all the things you're trying to hold in, Mm -hmm. they start to come up and people get really uncomfortable. And I always remind them, I'm like, listen, if you go through an experience, if you take all of the pebbles out of your backpack and set those burdens down and you don't like the way you feel lighter, you can pick them all up again and put them Mm -hmm. back in. You can, you can, you know, pick this crap up that, I can see is may not be serving you in the best way and you can continue down the road. Mm -hmm. But if you want something you've never had before, you have to do something you've never done before. And whereas I don't recommend that people, you know, go around the world, just like, it's not for everybody. For some people it works, but just spitting to the wind and just, you know, doing everything on a whim. There's needs, you need to leave a room. You need Mm -hmm. to leave a room. You need to leave room for that in your life. You need to leave some space where, you can, you know, do something that's off the schedule. Yeah. Ugh, I know. I was talking about that the other day of how important I think when you have kids to do that, you know, because bedtime and routine and all that is very important, but I don't want to just be living by a schedule. And I think that's yeah. such a boring way to live for me. That's boring. Yeah. And for my kids, and I love surprising them. Like, guess what we're doing tonight, you know, and just getting out and like, yes, we might have a late night but they're going to be fine. Yeah. They're going to live through it, you yeah. know? And I just see kind of the suffering and the, just like the saying no to life yeah. based on kids' schedule, Yeah, you know? I, I really love that, like how the Europeans just like, yeah, we're having a 9 p.m. dinner with the kids. Like, yeah. that's fine. And the so. kids remember that. Like kids mm-hmm. are so, they're great people to have mm-hmm. you check so much of your stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, they- They're I, the um, big teachers. They are the huge teachers. And the things that a kid- remembers about, mm-hmm. you know, just like the smallest, tiniest little things. It was just so sweet. My niece who's 13 will say, you know, remember when you, when my cousin was getting married, she and her husband, her fiance at the time were gone. And I was like, you know, I'd been with my niece every day of her life. And mm. I remember saying, it is your bedtime. And of course the grandparents are playing music, drinking champagne, like they're having a party. And I was like, she needs to be in bed. She's a big day tomorrow. You need to be in bed. And she would not let go of the party. I mean, she would sneak downstairs. (laughs) I'd go to bed. I'd come down. She'd be sitting there. I'm like, go to bed. And I remember telling her to go to bed and I walked up the stairs and she was in the threshold of the door, passed out, face planted on the floor. But it was like, Mm. she got it out of bed. Like I'm going back to the party and literally passed out on the floor (laughs) on the way. And she's like, remember when I passed out on the floor? Mm. And I was like, I do. You know, but they just remember like, I was like that night where it's Mm -hmm. like, yeah, you could have been in bed at 7.30 and woken up the next morning and gone to the wedding. But she was like, Mm -hmm. she remembers like partying with her grandmother and grandfather and aunt and me. Which is really fun. Yeah. Yeah. And important, you know? Yeah. I think those, those things you remember your whole life and it's so important for all the generations also. Yes, for sure. So 
what is next? I mean, you're going to be having a baby or do you have any kind of view of what your work is going to look like? Are you going to chill out for a while or what's, what's the future looking like for you? Well, I hope we'll see. That's, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> that is, that has been my go-to response. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll see. Mm-hmm. But what I'm feeling really drawn to is just continuing working with women. I don't know how, how far into the birth space I'll be able to mm-hmm. venture. Um, but I really like working with birthing people, both prenatally and postpartum mm-hmm. to kind of just get them to remain and get reconnected with themselves. So continuing to work with clients, with breath work, Reiki work, doing some community work, which is so important mm-hmm. um, to me. Yeah. And just making sure that women in, in underserved communities have access to mm-hmm. the care that has been so influential to me. I mean, as a as a black woman, I'm it's not lost on me the the racial disparities in birth in socioeconomics and all of this and just wanting to to broaden my reach mm-hmm. with um, women in all communities so that they have access to the same level of healing so that, you know, despite yeah. all of the things on their to-do list and all of the weight of the world that comes down on us, we're still able to find time and have the tools to, even if it's five minutes, you know, between putting the baby down and 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 gearing up for the next day to just get centered and know Mm -hmm. that we're not alone and and we're together and we have what we need and we're supported. And so Mm -hmm. I think that I'll be kind of building out over the next few months what that looks like and how Mm -hmm. I'm able to support my growing family, but also provide tools Mm -hmm. and and resources for women who are on their, their journey as well. Keep me posted. I will for it's sure. Exciting. And it helps having lovely friends like yourself you. who are killing it. Mm, thanks. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's always a journey as a mom, you know. I mean, yeah. I feel like it's, but it's it's beautiful. I mean, it's um just to figure out new ways to work and in how you want to work. And you know, we all change as women. I think being in this work is so fascinating and ever-changing and such a journey um, as we change. Right. You know, and I feel like each stage of my motherhood is then, you know, reflected back in how I want to be working and how I want to be showing up for clients yes. and, um, and really being authentic, you know, yeah. and not just kind of like, oh, I've been doing this, so I'm going to just continue to do this because it's going well. But like, what is my soul really calling me to bring forth to women in my community, you know? Right. So... Thank you so much. It was wonderful to sit down with you. Thank you for having me. And thank you for setting this platform. It's one of the things that I found prior as, as a birth worker, as a woman, that it was um, an invaluable resource is having podcasts, mm. like podcasts, mm-hmm. like Mother the Mother, where, you know, when I need information or knowing that if I, if I feel like I need to feed my brain mm-hmm. something that I can go and get conscious content that isn't just filling it with with you know empty carbs but really things that are encouraging me to think so i thank you for for creating that platform and sharing your friends and and knowledge with the world thank you i'm so grateful i've got such great friends you do very blessed (laughs) all right talk to you later thank you bye bye 
Jema, Jema, Jema.